everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. as well brother sister incest which creeps me out (laughs) that's exactly like that literally just started recording (laughs) okay fine i mean i'll just i'll explain it i'll give it context so i was just saying to emma my best friend is a sex therapist a very good sex therapist and uh we were like we sat at dinner uh, a while ago definitely pre-lockdowns and um i was like okay miriam i was like let's role play i come to you and i say so sex therapist oh mine I've been sleeping with my brother for the last 10 years and my other friend Lee was at the table and he was like give her one that's like more common and Miriam goes no no that's the most common problem I hear in my office like without a doubt it's the most common thing and I was like what like brother's just incest she was like oh yeah definitely I was like oh my god (laughs) I could not have her job I just couldn't just oh my god I would have thought that would be so rare it's not rare at all and she's got other clients and obviously I won't I won't speak about it because she she's very careful what she tells me but some of the some of the very common things are very 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 scary <laughs> Jeez. being a therapist right, okay. man that would be just ooh, a whole other level of hard well on that note when will we be <laughs> able to sign up for the next round <laughs> April 19th uh it is it, we no are that's when have... it starts that's when it starts. Oh yeah, we'll, you'll be able to sign up by what week six of this round? Is that next week or this week? Yeah, we'll we'll make sure that you can sign up before this round finishes. Um, yeah, and obviously there'll be like an extra week's break in between this round and next round. But we've got some plans to keep you uh, on track during that time. And the reason that we're having a break as well is so we can update a couple of things and make it even better. So. Yeah. It will be well worth the wait, don't worry. Yeah, absolutely. And exactly what Emma said, if anybody's like, holy shit, that means we'll have, what is it, is it three weeks between rounds? Please don't worry, we do have plans to tide you over and keep you guys sweet, which we will enlighten you on when it's more appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Okay, first question. Long post-warning. Sorry if this doesn't make much sense, but how do you deal with people who people being negative about your body? I feel like whenever I mention something, for example, I am cold, people always say, oh, it's because you have low body weight slash fat or you're not eating enough. I always reply with, well, actually, I have always felt cold even when I was pregnant. Um, I'm finding people are negative towards me, but yet supporting others on things like Slimming World and congratulate them for doing so well for losing so many pounds. I haven't told anyone apart from my hubby about this. Sorry. I haven't told anyone apart from my hubby about the EC method and as I am always being preached to about how great Slimming World is <laughs> and how it's healthier than counting calories, etc. Oh, It's essentially God. counting calories packaged up in a different way, but whatever. Yeah, a uh, much less informative and helpful way. <laughs> yeah, I think what people forget is the point of counting calories or the point of not counting calories, but understanding energy balance is it gives you food freedom. Exactly. That's like that's the idea behind it, rather than having to stick to these arbitrary rules that make absolutely no sense. Anyway, exactly. um, and if I mention that I am counting calories, I will open fire for more negativity. These people are my family, so I find it hard to ignore them, and it's starting to wear me down. Mm. Yeah, it's um, you know what the, what it is? It's that. I think if you do something like a slimming world, for example, it's so easy to get your head around and understand. And it's it's really seen as something that like real kind of beginners, a kind of beginners intro to quote unquote dieting and like losing some excess body fat. And I think people are always like, oh, good for you. You're doing something. And like I say, like it's pretty rudimental to get your head around. So there's this kind of applause because people understand it. Whereas I think if an Emma and I will, will be able to vouch for this, and obviously our audience do know what calories and macros are, obviously. But again, as someone who has books out and has to speak to a mass, mass audience on a regular basis, she would be shocked 
at how many people have asked me every day, what is a macronutrient? I doubt Emma gets that kind of feedback because obviously we have different audiences here. Um, and I'm very jealous of that. But I would say uh, that's a question I get almost every day. What is a macronutrient? Um, no, I think I, you're totally right. And I actually think some people are like scared to ask those basic questions because they're like, I should already yeah. know this. And that isn't yeah. the case. Like a lot of the time, you know, personal trainers would be like, it's a calorie deficit. Not realizing that some people don't know what that is. And once they understand it, it's a very means. simple concept to understand. But they're like, yeah. oh, everyone's saying these words that I don't really know, like macronutrients. Yeah. I mean, I won't name who this was, but this was like surprisingly not that long ago. And the person is now an IFBB pro. Asked me what a macronutrient was. Oh, a loads of competitors don't track. They just do, they get the meal plan, they've been given from their but, coach. But the thing is, that. he used the term macros all the time. He's like, macros, blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, I know this might sound stupid, but like, what, like, what is a macro? Because yeah. he, he'd obviously yeah, yeah. been talking about them all the time. <laughs> No, I was like, yeah. oh, I have. There's a there's a very very well known male fitness model in the UK, and he's everywhere. And I had him on my podcast. I think it was series two. It might have been series one. And he was like, oh yeah, because you like track calories and macros or something, don't you? Like, oh, I I don't do that. I don't. He doesn't need to do that because he's one of those people that doesn't need to do that. Um, we who talked that? about it. Or do you not want to say? I don't want to say, but anyone who listens to the podcast will probably know who it is. But recently, he's kind of obviously started changing his tune and kind of posting about it and I find it really interesting anyway whatever we're getting I'm going down a different path here that isn't isn't relevant anyway I think when you say something that people don't understand or that goes over their head their automatic reaction is to kind of turn their nose up at it and I think that's a really human uh, response to kind of insecurity again we talk about how you like insecurity in their knowledge and I think we talk about how you know you look at a lot of the time and especially the older generations I found like my mother's generation of women will look at a woman with muscle mass and turn their nose up at it because they don't understand it and don't know what they're looking at um and and so I, I personally think think it's that um and you're doing it the right way so find comfort in that and feel free to not talk to anybody about it that's what you have this whole group for and your husband um but you're doing it the right way and you should feel proud of yourself um yeah Emma I agree. I think that actually Slimming World can teach us a lot as coaches as well. Like there is a lot that we can take from why it works really well, like the community aspect, which obviously we've built into our coaching, but also simplifying things. And I actually think that if done right, and I don't think Slimming World get it right, but if done right, some kind of point system would actually work better than calories because if you really looked at like all the food choices and went into not just how many calories are in it but how satiating it is how much protein is in it the types of fat that are in it how much like all these things and then you could sort of put them on a bit of a tier not saying there's like better foods or not as good foods but there's certain foods that you might want to get in more of or also that you'd probably do better eating more of on a diet for example which is essentially mm. what they've kind of tried to do to some extent. Like some of these quote unquote free foods are, are just foods that, and like not all of them, unfortunately, but they're just foods that it's unlikely you're going to overeat and actually it's good mm. to get in your diet. So it's almost like encouraging people that, oh, these fruits are quote unquote free and you can eat as much of them as you like because we know that you're probably not going to overeat them. We know that giving you these free foods means that you feel less restricted on your diet and maybe they're going to be really satiating and they've got a lot of fiber in like it's actually potentially i can see what they were doing with it and i don't think they've done it particularly well but there are certain things that maybe for some people that might be an easier approach yeah and this is what we say about all diets there's typically good good blessings to be learned from every single diet where we where we get into a bit of trouble is is again by labeling things good bad fat loss when actually it's just basic science anyway yeah and i think understanding the basic science is so fundamental to food freedom and yes. and, and like variety in your diet and understanding that oh, okay you can eat these quote unquote thin foods or like without it being a bad thing. And I, th- I do think you're right that we get into trouble when we start labeling things as good and bad or cheap meals mm. or like all that kind of stuff. But if we come back to the question, which was about 
how to deal with negative or negative people towards you've said towards your body but it sounds like more it's towards your approach to dieting um typically it's just, it comes down to a very very simple i personally think a very simple answer a lack of understanding and jealousy and usually jealousy is born out of the lack of understanding so i mean I wouldn't take it personally. If there's anyone it's really upsetting you about, I have a friend who, yeah, I have a friend who makes pretty snide comments sometimes and I've never said anything to her. But if it if it started to weigh on my mind for longer than a few hours after she'd said it, I would approach her and be like, look, listen, <laughs> this is a problem. It's affecting how much I like you. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, like, you're right. It is a you problem. And if you care about those people enough that it is affecting how much you like them, then they should know that so they can change if they want. And if they choose not to, yeah. then maybe that's a good sign that you shouldn't have them in your life. But equally, I do think that just generally on this point as well, like you have way more control over your emotions than you think. Like, why do yeah. you care what your uneducated family members think about your diet? Like, yeah. what is it about that that's annoying you? Like, why do you care that they're like, oh, maybe it's because you've got too little body fat that you're cold like unless that is a legitimate concern and if it's not then like their yeah. their opinion isn't really relevant to what you're doing yeah guys honestly like i get shit all the time i'm sure emma gets shit as well in some people certain areas of her life it is just it's part of being human and you know what more often than not it's part of being successful like the more pushback you get typically it's because you're doing something loud and if you're hopefully if you're a good person that's not a bad thing so you just you rock that controversy <laughs> yeah I agree and I don't think it's necessarily about like blocking these people out your life but it can be about just accepting that like in that area of your life like maybe you want their input in other areas of your life but in that area of your life you're just gonna ignore that input because it's not beneficial mm. to you. They're not experts in that area. They don't necessarily know what they're talking about. You can disregard their opinion on that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, next question. Hi guys, bit of an odd one. I'm doing a photo shoot for a protein supplement brand this weekend. Hence, I wanted to know if I should be doing anything else in particular apart from hitting non-negotiables. I have not managed to lose any weight even following everything assigned for five weeks. My waist measurements, by the way, this is the person who's already very lean. Yeah, probably doesn't have any weight to lose. Just, and also to give context to people listening as well. Um, I have not managed to, yeah, uh, my waist measurement hasn't moved either. I already weigh on the lighter end, so I understand it's going to be tough, but how long will I stall? My calories were dropped to 1,600, 1,700 from 1,800 and my steps have been up to 12,000 the last time I checked in, which was two weeks ago. I don't think I can go lower than 1,600 as my activity levels are quite high and I struggle to adhere to anything below that. But if mm. I'm not losing anything on 1,600 or losing very slightly, will I be in maintenance forever? Also, it would be really helpful for you guys to also would be really helpful to know how you go okay let's cover that bit first um okay i'm emma like i kind of i emma might say something different here i would like you to do a little check-in for me with photos and all your steps your workouts per week your steps per day your calories um and some pictures and then we can a talk about everything that you're saying about being stalled but emma's bang on point the less you have to lose and the leaner you are the less relevant the scales are and measurements it's all pretty irrelevant we go on how you look which is why we need photos and then we can talk about the photo shoot uh and and if you're if you're lean enough there are some small things that you can do uh specifically with carbs um and training but yeah let i i would like to see a post from you emma well, okay, so sorry, because I've just got some stats here as well. Um, okay. Basically, she's gone from the, in the last five weeks, she was 52 kilograms week one, she's now 51.8 kilograms, right? Which doesn't seem like much, but when you look at the magnitude of weight you have to lose, yeah, I actually lot. don't, like, when I was getting very lean, like photo shoot prep, I wouldn't lose more than that. Like it was genuinely no. like inching down on the scales. And that's why you don't use them as a marker. And and also 
0.2 kilograms is well within the margin of error for the scale weight so yeah you've you've tracked your lowest weight each week which is a pretty good marker it stayed pretty consistent and if anything it's erring on the side of going down slightly even if that is yeah. 0.2 of a kilogram I actually don't think you need to change anything I don't think again with your adherence like I wouldn't drop below 1600 yeah the lowest you've been is 1650 for your weekly calories and that was only last week so I would stick there if you still want to lose body fat um before that you've not been consistent like at 1700 like you've been on 1800 1850 so I would just stick where you are I don't think you need to change Mm. anything it's just time and like that's that is what happens when you get lean it you will see such small changes on the scales so I I don't think you need to change anything I agree like you certainly shouldn't be dropping calories if you struggle to adhere and like mm, yeah I mean I typically say like anywhere under kind of like that 70 kg bracket it gets really really hard to track scale weight as a measure of fat loss it just guys you're a smaller person um yeah and with regards to the photo shoot these would just be tiny little things like i say like carbs full bodies stuff like that but yeah tag tag us with pickies and we can we can go from there but we certainly wouldn't dream of dropping you at all and i'm sorry like 51 kg jeez yeah but the thing is you've also mentioned here you've said i've got pcos does that mean my basal metabolic rate might be lower uh, 1600 calories and doing 12,000 steps at... oh on the cheek is it <laughs> oh hi James at 52 kilograms isn't particularly low like that isn't a low um, energy expenditure I wouldn't say like especially not mm. if you're on like if you're going on the way down so normally people who have who have been impacted quite drastically by having PCOS with base metabolic rate. Like I've had people having to be on like well below sort of 1500, like 1200 to 1500 to lose any weight. It doesn't seem yeah. like it's impacting you in that sense, which is absolutely excellent. Okay. Yeah. Um. So second part of this, how would you guys prep for a shoot? How many weeks do you give yourself? Is there anything in particular you follow the week before or one to two <laughs> days before? There are many things online about carb loading the previous day of the shoot. There's also some articles that say, don't drink water. How does this work? (laughs) It's my first gig. So any tips on posing, flexing and body confidence from you guys would help immensely. How far out does she say she is from the shoot? This weekend. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah first of all i don't even really one thing i will say is don't fucking touch water just keep it stable like this is just not something that anyone should be doing i used to do it it's horrific it's completely unnecessary and it's actually pretty dangerous so don't touch water keep it stable yes there are absolutely things you can do with your training and your carbs uh, and i don't really even want to go into what because i don't i haven't seen your photos and i need to see your photos to tell you what to do but i've had many many fitness model clients before and there's a few things i can tell you to do um really kind of in that four or five day mark in the lead up to the shoot so please just upload some photos and tag me and i can tell you what to do but none of these things would include dropping calories at all uh, <laughs> so that's never never an option or water emma yeah, I think sometimes carb manipulation can be useful. So we have what's this called um, a super compensation effect in terms of glycogen storage. So if you deplete carbohydrate stores, so deplete glycogen in your muscles, then when you refeed, you can fill your your muscles with more carbohydrate, which in mm-hmm. theory, and does work, but you need to be quite lean for this to work. Yeah, In theory, exactly. makes your muscles look bigger because... They are bigger because there's more carb stores in there. There's more water in the muscles. It's going to make you look tighter and leaner. You might weigh a little bit more, but you'll look leaner. Um, But I've seen people do this and absolutely fuck it up. And also I've seen people do it and I'm like, like, you're not lean enough to benefit from this. And if you do that, it just just actually tends to make you look worse. So unless you're like quite vascular... I, I probably wouldn't bother with any of that. And the the reason I'm saying that as well is because like, oh, it's my first time. You're also a week out, which means we can't test any of this. 
Yeah. Uh, probably, if you're fairly happy with how you look at the moment, my gut feeling would be don't change anything because you don't want to mess up things, look all watery like the day of your shoot and then feel bloated or just even just things like changing your diet might mean you have like bloating or something that yeah. doesn't agree with you or an upset stomach and that can completely ruin things. So my number one tip would be get a good spray tan. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's going to have yeah. the biggest impact at this point. I agree. And like, it's so true. I honestly, it really depends how lean you are. This is why we need to see photos. I've done shoots where I just haven't been ready. And it's literally made me look worse. And exactly what Emma said, if you feel like you're waking up in the morning and you're looking in the mirror and you're like, I look photo shoot ready, don't change anything. Always err on the side of caution. And again, what Emma said, you've had no time to trial it which is a shame because, yeah. Cause but you'll that know for next really time, like it's it. always a, a learning curve, isn't it? This is your first shoot. If you want to do another one, you'll probably be even like in better shape. You'll realize what works for your body, what doesn't work for your body. Yeah. I'd also like a bit of just a check-in on like how you're feeling. And like, I mean, we need to see photos, but yeah, photos please. <laughs> okay, next question. <clears throat> This one is more for Chloe. I've just listened to the podcast episode with Bill Campbell. The idea of 24 hours not eating to identify when your hunger cues truly are intrigues me. And I want to try it at some point, assuming you could and should be drinking water during this period. Is this the only thing you can <clears throat> consume or would coffee be acceptable to? Yeah, this is an, a really interesting point. Uh, that Dr. Bill Campbell said that he has some of his students do where he basically asks them to fast for 24 hours and pick up when they're actually hungry. Now, it's interesting because and Emma and I have spoken about this in the past, is that a lot of the time your hunger cues, your hunger hormones and signals are kicked off by your habitual eating habits. So it's an interesting thing, but he, he's right in that he basically, as like a, he, he's always really been lifting weights. He's always considered himself a bodybuilder. He thought he should always have to get up in the morning and eat high protein breakfast, start his day. And he realized after a certain amount of time, he was never hungry in the morning. And there's absolutely no reason whatsoever why he was doing this because he doesn't get hungry until later on. Um, and it is, it's something for all of you to think about. And it's something that Emma talks about a lot. And I think Amelia talks about it as well. Being aware of your hunger signals, your hunger cues. When are you actually hungry versus when do you think you should eat? Um, so you don't have to do it. But everything I've just said is something that you should probably think about before you do it. Number one. Number two, when it comes to actual fasting, um, really, uh, yeah, tea, coffee without milk, obviously, water. And if you're going to do a 24-hour fast, electrolytes are really important. But again, this is not something that anybody needs to do. I certainly, I've done, the only times I've done a 24-hour fast is when I've been long-haul traveling. I've never done it in my normal life. I do do time-restricted eating, uh, feeding and eating window of like a 12-12. For completely different reasons um but yeah you can have anything but that basically doesn't have caloric value um and again if you're going to do a 24-hour fast electrolytes is something to look into uh consuming and yeah emma i hadn't heard that this was like a thing i don't think it would add anything like if you're mm. doing it for the reasons of figuring out when you're hungry like Chloe just said I think you're gonna figure out that you're you tend to be hungry when you usually eat but I think what will be a bit of an eye-opener for you potentially is the realization that those hunger levels pass and yes. that you don't need to act on them I think mm -hmm. something like I think actually fasting for that reason like to prove your to yourself that you don't always need to act on, on your hunger levels and that you can like surf the urge kind of thing and just like let those mm. feelings pass i think that's useful because it teaches yeah. you a lot about yourself yeah um i wouldn't if you were doing it for the reasons of figuring out when your hunger signals are which i don't think would be useful anyway but if you were doing it for those reasons i wouldn't drink coffee because it's an appetite suppressant so it would yeah, have an impact very there good point. um and i would and, like avoid anything with caffeine in but equally I don't think that's gonna hugely benefit you. Um, so yeah, if you were gonna what do I... it, it would be more like, I'm gonna prove to myself that I can do this rather than I'm gonna figure out when I'm hungry throughout the day. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And if you are, if you are doing it for the latter reason, a good idea would be not to plan to eat at any specific point in the day. 
but to wake up you know start your day don't eat and wait and see when you're hungry and do this with every single meal so you eat and then that's it give yourself some time wait 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 and see to be honest that is probably going to be just as effective and i think more what what dr bill was really trying to convey here is really what emma's saying is that it's important to pick up on the fact that you can probably make it through a whole day without eating and be at well you can't probably you can make it through a whole day without eating and be absolutely fine um and there is that and i think it does translate in the sense to behavioral are you just eat mindlessly eating like let's mindfully eat um but yeah again what she said fasting isn't necessarily something that any of you need to do at all and again it can be it can be beneficial for certain people for certain reasons but it's certainly not something which the gem pop has to do yes <clears throat> okay this is a really good point by rachel so everyone listen up please when you buy the package for the ec method eight weeks later you will get an email saying the package has finished now obviously we still have a couple of weeks on this round it does not mean that you're getting kicked out or that the round is finished it just means that you bought the package eight weeks ago that's it and it has to yeah. like for some reason it has to happen i tried to turn it off you can't turn it off right it's the big yes. like <laughs> i love the app so much love oh, it. this is the thing it's like it's revolutionized online training but it's also caused so many headaches there's so many things like that you can't do that cause so much confusion like with the like even just the amrap i mean whatever anyway yeah yeah <laughs> let's uh, let's move on but if anyone's worried about that don't worry okay yeah. quick and easy question uh doesn't seem to be a home workout for lower body this week do i just smash one from the other week now you've got a full body and then an upper body so do the full body it, it it will fuck up your legs your lower body so just do it <laughs> okay um bit of a miserable post ahead i've had a horrific week most of it in pain as my back is just not improving i've had five physio treatments to date but no change so i'm going to see if i can get an appointment with my doctor tomorrow i keep trying to do some sets of exercises seated arm ones but can't really call them a workout but mentally i know i am doing all i can at the moment but I now can't be in hypertrophy as I am not getting the workouts in. I'm still managing 10 to 12,000 steps a day. I'm hitting my protein target of 120 grams. I'm five foot five and I took your advice last week and did drop my calories from 1950 to 1850, but still noticing weight is increasing. I am now 62 kilograms and feeling a bit panicky as never been this heavy in years. Please help. What do I do now? Drop more, stay where I am and ignore gaining. Um, I don't look very good or feel very good in normal clothes. Feeling too tight. I feel I'm losing any shape I had. Sorry, this is so, it's so hard to stay positive when you've been in unbearable pain for six whole weeks. Mm. Yeah. I feel you. I'm really, yeah, Emma, Emma can relate to this. She'll definitely pick it up after me, but yeah, it's it's physically and mentally exhausting to be in pain all the time. And I've seen it. I'm lucky enough that I haven't had to deal with it. Um, and I, I'm so sorry that you feel like this. First and foremost, stop panicking and stop being so freaked out here, okay? You, you're essentially in a bit of a shit state physically and you need to be kind to yourself and you need to take it easy on yourself. That's the first thing that you need to soak in. It's okay to step back and be kind to yourself and stop focusing on all the things that you've mentioned in that in that post and just focus on what you need to do to keep yourself happy right now um the next thing is look this is basic basic science okay so if you are now inactive uh that but means she's not like, Twelve thousand well, steps a day Twelve thousand steps a day and you are doing some form of workout so let's just say if you have decreased activity i should say if you're decreasing activity and you're noticing that the scales are going up, then all we need to do is find a better balance. So you maybe come down a little bit lower in calories, again, to like a 1700 bracket. Stay there for a couple of weeks, let's monitor you. But you also need to bear in mind on the flip side of this advice is if we want to hold on to your muscle mass, then 
you, we don't want to drop your calories too, too low. Um, and that that's really all I can say. But Emma has more experience with this, so I'll let her pick it up. Oh, no, I, I completely agree with everything you've said. I just think as well that it's not just about your calories at the moment. Like, it's not just about energy balance. It's how you're feeling. And actually, now yeah. might not be a good time to put on pressure to say oh, I really don't want to yeah. gain any weight or I want to lose weight at the moment or I'm I'm worried about fluctuations on the scales or anything. Like now is the time to look after yourself a bit and it is yeah. exhausting being in pain all the time. And please do go and see your doctor because they can hopefully give you some good meds. And I don't know what exactly is wrong with your back, but having done like a fair amount of research for my back, a lot of the time these things pass with painkillers because they allow you to keep moving a little bit and yeah. and not like compensate for every little movement because sometimes it isn't like pain isn't always and that we should get someone on to talk about pain actually because it's so fascinating but mm. pain isn't always a sign that something is wrong I think more generally it is but like with certain movements that you might be avoiding because you're feeling pain sometimes it's actually good to still be doing those movements not saying mm. to push through pain but i'm saying that painkillers may help take the edge off a bit and potentially anti-inflammatory things might help as well or if your mm. nerves are quite inflamed there are certain drugs that can like try at least to calm that that down so do go see your doctor do speak to him report back let us know what they say and we'll take it from there yeah great okay are there any known contra well this says contradictions but i'm assuming side effects to creatine unfortunately i suffer with recurrent kidney stones three stones in about four years and wonder would this have any negative effect on kidney function so typically when people ask questions like this i say if you have any pre-existing problems speak to your doctor or whoever it is that you're talking to about any supplementation at all However, something very interesting happened on my Instagram page the other day that made my, like, week. It was just so amazing. So somebody had written underneath one of my posts, if I do a loading phase, a fast load of creatine, it, and is that going to be an issue for my kidneys? And I said the answer that I just said. And then a week later, somebody commented under the her post, this woman called Julie, who I now follow because I think she's the best person in the world, like, hi, Anne, or whatever the girl who I saw is. Um, I donated one of my kidneys, so I have a checkup frequently, and I knew that I had a checkup this week. So I went in and I asked this question for you. Aww. And my specialist, I don't, I know. I was like, oh my God, this person. She was like, and my specialist says that it's absolutely fine and you've got nothing to worry about. And I was like, as if this woman read the question, knew that she had an appointment up with her specialist because she's donated a kidney. We went in and asked the question on this woman's behalf. She like, is a hero. I mean, she's on so many levels. And then, so then I looked at her Instagram page, and it's all of these amazing, like memes and quotes, like all really like life affirming and incredible. So immediately followed her. Um, but yeah, so uh, apparently, no, it's not a problem. Um, but again, like, let's always just exercise caution here. If you've got pre-existing health problems, you need to speak to doctors before you make any changes to your diet, supplementation, medicine, etc., etc. Yeah, I would add on to that as well. If you've recently increased your protein, like that would be something just to just to run past them. Not that it, it might not have mm -hmm. any impact whatsoever, but you're always better just to make sure. Yeah. And I'm sure that you're getting like fairly regular checkups anyway. So that could mm. be one thing that you say, like, is it going to be a problem if I increase my protein or like I have increased my protein? Can you notice that? That kind of thing. But yeah, always yeah. speak to your doctor about those things. Um, does spinning count as a resistance workout for the lower body? I've been spinning six times a week since the start of this round, but only managed one lower body workout a week uh, as I'm trying to smash PRs every week on the bike. Still doing at least two upper body workouts a week minimum. Sometimes I add a third upper body circuit before cardio. Uh, I would call I would call spin uh, resisted cardio. I wouldn't call it resistance training. No. And Emma has a really interesting point on this. <laughs> Do I? Yeah, about the... Sorry, I'm trying to take my wedding ring off and it's absolutely... Chaotic. Oh, I thought you were um, picking your calluses again. Oh. Oh, no. 
no unfortunately for everybody here oh jesus that really hurt um yeah about the 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 walking uh being carrying your body weight versus spin do you remember oh that? running do you mean um what's the word again like the whole sort of does cardio kill your gains vibe yeah catabolic yeah um so i mean i wouldn't class spin as resistance training no potentially if you were doing like 30 second wing gate cycle or even shorter than that actually 30 seconds is too long it's too like glycolytic you'd need to be doing like 10 second sprints absolutely max out for sort of hypertrophy type uh benefits so no i would say it's definitely cardio it may not impair hypertrophy as much as if you were running so that's mm-hmm. a positive but i would strongly suggest cutting that down and swapping out for more lower body workouts depending yeah. on your goals like if you don't want to build muscle on your legs then it's probably fine doing what you're doing um but if you do then i would swap that out and yeah that you can't replace lower body training with spin if you want Agreed. the same results. <laughs> like, Ollie would replace burpees with bicep curls. Yeah, I don't no, have no. burpees. Could I replace them with bicep curls? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but will you get the same results? No. No. Okay. Long post alert. <clears throat> Thank you for warning us. Thank you for the warning. Having Hi, a Debbie Downer... Oh, sorry, I got notification. Having a De- Debbie Downer few days, even though... I have so many positive things that I could focus on. One, I keep randomly eating. I stick to my meals, um, then we'll eat three cups of breakfast cereal. Cups? <laughs> the American. <laughs> Yankee doodle Um Psychologically, not eating from a bowl is better. Oh, she means literal cups. <laughs> <laughs> we were just so quick to judge shame on us and then I move on to toast I'm not even hungry and I still do it with a hot cross bun season coming up it's a recipe for disaster Uh, I've done this all my life and I realise it's a habit I need to break I'm back into yo-yo mode after working so hard to get to where I am it's not like I'm eating um, hugely satisfying meals to go over my calories it's just beige food okay that's point number one do we want to cover that first yeah okay i this isn't binge eating because this sounds to me like it's like very conscious and you're going for very specific things every time and yeah i mean typically yeah i I, this sounds this doesn't sound like binge eating this sounds more like comfort eating and or we need to figure out why yeah boredom we need to figure out why what is the trigger here is it your time of the month is it that you're bored and you're kind of, you know, hanging around the house in lockdown? Is it some kind of self-sabotage, which is really, really fucking common? Um, we need to figure out why. And as soon as we know why you're doing it, try and correlate what similarities when it happens. As soon as it happens, comfort eating, maybe stress eating, we can try and dismantle it and tackle it. This doesn't apply for binge eating disorder, which for those of you who may or may not be going through it is very unconscious and is a whole other thing entirely. Emma. Yeah. I I think the reason it doesn't sound like a binge is because, and I think this is a good thing to think about if you're like, is this binge eating? Do I need some further help? Or is this like boredom eating or something like that? Is like, do you feel out of control? when you do it whereas because you've been like I normally have like three cups of cereal and then I have a bit of toast like it doesn't sound like you're just like I'll eat anything that's in front of me it sounds like quite like almost structured exactly it does sound very structured can I just um I have an idea that might help and again we need to figure out why before we do anything behavioral why don't you just have a big bowl of cereal and a piece of toast every day, make room for it in your calories and take this weird thing of like, I'll have a cup. That wasn't enough. I'll have another cup. Oh, well now I've had two. I'll have a third and now I'll have some toast. And did it. Why don't we actually just try to be like, okay, you fucking like cereal and toast. Let's have a big bowl of cereal and a piece of toast every day and fit it into your calories, which is a hundred percent doable, especially if you have something like Rice Krispies, which is fantastic bang for your buck. Yeah, um, it's and just a puffed up air, isn't it? 
Yeah, and it's like it's pretty good pre and post training fast. And I have it with my like grenade ready to drink, and it's like pre- it feels like a little treat. Like it's not at all pretty low calorie and got pretty good macros in it. So um, yeah, like we can absolutely solve this, but I still think we need to figure out why. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's interesting sometimes, like time of day, like is that always happening in the morning? Which is kind of interesting because usually this happens at night. But if you mm. can get past the morning by like essentially tricking yourself. So like there's certain like mind games you can sort of play with yourself. And the way I'm thinking about it for you is if you can get past the morning by tricking yourself and being like, okay, I'm going to eat well all day. And then in the evening, if I want to eat cereal, I can eat cereal. Like allow mm. yourself that because of the, and by the way, this almost works the other way for most people. But what I think will happen with you, because it tends to be the morning that you're like having these sort of self-sabotaging type eating patterns, is that you'll build up um, essentially like, you'll, you'll kind of start thinking, well, you know, I've eaten well at breakfast, I ate well at lunch, I had a really good dinner, am I going to like quote unquote ruin it? And I don't mean that eating cereal would ruin your whole diet, but am I then going to undo a lot of my hard work given my goals by overeating in the evening? And I think by that stage, what's the word I'm looking for? You'll have, it's almost like using the sunk cost fallacy to your advantage. And by that, Mm -hmm. I mean that like a lot of people refuse to give up on something because they've already invested a bit of work into it. So it would be like, I don't know, starting a business and realizing that it's not viable and then keeping going because you're like oh well I invested 100 pounds at the start and I don't want to lose that and it's like yeah but you're going to lose so much more than that if you keep going or yeah I've been in a relationship for over a year so I may as well just stay with them now even though I'm not happy (laughs) so you're going to be unhappy for the rest of your life because you've invested a year into this relationship like makes no sense but you can turn that around and use it as your advantage so you can be like I've done really well all day like, am I actually, am I going to like throw in the towel now and just give in to these temptations? And it's kind of just like a different way of looking at it in terms of your mindset around things. And like, hopefully that will help. But we'll yeah. see. I love that. I love, I love that you're kind of putting that thought forward. And this is another thing I'm finding is hard in lockdown, even for myself, like is, and DJ Fat Tony did a funny meme that I regrammed on this today. It's quite hard to stick to a goal if you don't really have like an end kind of thing in mind, be it like a week or a month or like whatever it is, a thing. Um, Maybe what we need to do is like take a step back and actually set in stone a really solid goal for you. And I'm not going to give you what that is because that's totally dependent on you. But yeah, it's something that I've had to do (laughs) almost daily of late. (laughs) Okay. Uh, part two loving the gym workouts but think I'm overdoing it as I've been so swollen and bloated this week all those carbs won't help either apparently this can happen for six months plus any post-surgery advice from those that have been there so I think she had um tummy tuck a tummy tuck (laughs) sorry yeah she did who is this? Is this who is this? Tracy. No way. Okay, Sue. Fine. Sue. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> They're not even say. close. <laughs> I was like, Sue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, it's really normal if you've had any kind of surgery that your body's going to be inflamed, which means it's going to hold on to water. You can see the scales. Even if you, even if you just break a bone, I've seen this with clients time and time and time again. You can see the scales go up and be very stubborn and very erratic for, I mean, weeks, if not months, it is fair to say. As your body um, recovers from the surgery or whatever it is that's going on, um, it, it's really interesting, actually. I, yeah, sorry. As your body recovers, you will find that you will start to, this inflammation will start to decrease and you'll start to drop the water weight. It's interesting that you, I wonder if this has started happening with the cereal and toast post-surgery uh specifically or if you were to pursue i know that you were pretty much smashing it for like a really significant amount of time until this happened that would be quite telling psychologically so yeah maybe tag tag us in a post and give us your thoughts on why you think it's happening but i do see this a lot with people who've who've had something shit happen to them 
um, whether it's, you know, they've elected to have surgery or something unforeseen, which has hit them around the fucking head, um, that dietary adherence becomes increasingly hard, sometimes just non-existent, which is, uh, I, I personally have a view that it's a way of taking control back over your body. It tends to happen. Like, it's very common in my experience with clients. So yeah, maybe tag us and let me know what you yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, that. given the context of this, so like the rest of the post sort of goes on to say that her mum's in a care home, has got dementia, she's living alone at the moment and in lockdown. Yeah. And it does, and there are some positives, like she's bought herself a new bag, she got a nice bonus, she's selling her business and might be a tiny bit rich at the end of it, which is always yeah. nice. <laughs> um, I love women. Women cleaning up makes me happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah boss women um but it does sound like you, you've got a lot on on the go and like actually the sort of overeating and things and also just the maybe slightly overtraining and not recovering well enough and I think what would help you is just taking the pressure off a little bit and reminding yeah. yourself that you get to do these things you don't have to do these things so let's bring your training down to like four four sessions a week or three or four sessions a week instead of six sessions a week and that's mm. when you're looking at your food choices it isn't I have to stick to this it's I'm choosing to stick to this at the moment because it aligns with my goals like I can eat whatever mm. I want whenever I want but at the moment I'm choosing not to have three cups of cereal not because I can't have them but because it doesn't fit with my goals at the moment and trying to reframe mm. it as that I think would be would be a good place to start and hopefully it just takes the pressure off you a little bit as well I completely agree let's let's scale it way back and see what you can do that can still get you to your goals and I I also agree like just taking the pressure off mentally if you've got a lot of shit going on this might just be something that you feel like you need to do to keep yourself calm and and level we and it doesn't mean you have to keep doing it we can like I say we can we can relook at this so but yeah if you've got a lot going on and I do also think that there is something to be said for taking control back over something where you feel like you're losing control. And a lot of people typically will associate that, especially in terms of diet, with eating disorders and people being overly controlling over what they eat. But it can absolutely work in the other way, where you actually really start to loosen the reins because you've been strict for a period of time and Sue, I know you have. And now you actually just want to get some fucking control back over your body. And it's it's interesting. And I think it is, it is yeah, we, let's tag us in a post and let's have a proper chat okay um is there any evidence slash research into weight loss and gain throughout the year a few of us seem to be struggling through this winter period um whereas when i did round one and two for me in the spring and summer weight flew off are there naturally programmed with light hours and vitamin d exposure exposure etc to hold weight in the winter I'm hoping the clocks will change and the two stone that I'm trying to shift will fly off. Um, but I'm defo stuck, not enjoying it as I'm on the lowest calories I've ever been on, the most steps and the most workouts, the most water and seeing no shift. Had my day off as was suggested and didn't weigh in for two days as was becoming a bit obsessive and overwhelmed with the scales and measurements. So I didn't weigh for two days weighed in again again this morning and it's gone up four pounds and two centimeters on the waist that's odd i took one day's off calorie steps and workouts and the second day was about 300 over on calories and 1800 uh, steps and a workout i can shoot up four pounds in a day i feel absolutely horrified and more depressed stop oh weighing God yeah the thing is like i don't know how many times we can say this but this is a good sign because if you have put on four pounds in a day there is absolutely no way in this world that is body fat it cannot be body fat like if you do the maths on it that's like probably close to like twenty thousand extra calories that would need to be stored as body fat for you to put on four pounds of body fat it is impossible and if you're getting that hung up on the scales and it's making you feel depressed, stop weighing. A hundred percent couldn't agree more. This is absolutely hormonal um, and or dietary, likely both. It's, what is it, 14,000 calories you will have had to eat in in a 24-hour period, which you didn't do. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, what is it? So it'd be 3,500 times four. Yeah, 14,000. But then if you add on your maintenance calories. Yeah, exactly. So it needs to be above maintenance. So then you're looking at like at least 1,500 times. Well, more than that. 22,000. You're you're looking at like close to 25,000 extra calories. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's hormonal or it's dietary. It's not body fat. Please, you are quite clearly because it's having a huge impact on on your mentality and your emotional state. I also half wonder if you're not due on because that's also (laughs) these are things that happen when you're due on as well. It's all kind of working in tandem. Um, But yeah, you need to stop weighing because it should. We want you ticking the boxes, guys. The step, the daily steps, the weekly workouts, calories and macros, uh, specifically protein, fruit and veg. And we want you to stop obsessing over the scales. We want you to go to bed. If you're ticking off these boxes, celebrating yourself, not berating yourself because the scales randomly decided to jump up four pounds in 24 hours, which we keep saying over and over again, it's not body fat. Um, so you need, if you can't get your head around the logic of that and it's ruining the quote-unquote journey for you, fuck the scales off, focus on the journey, focus on enjoying it and what you need to do to enjoy it because the results will come if you're doing what we tell you to do. Um, and people who are throwing in the towel because of the scales are the people, well, obviously, <laughs> by default, that don't see the success. So maybe let's just stop weighing in. Yes, there is. it is fair to say that there is um, stats do back up that people do find it hard to lose in the winter months for various reasons. There's like both physiological and psychological and behavioral, sorry, and behavioral reasons why this happens. Um but ultimately, as Emma and I always say, your body isn't going to store calories that aren't there. So it's, yeah, Emma. Yeah, the reasons are going to be primarily behavioral in terms of, yeah. like, there must be some reason. If you're not losing weight, there must be something wrong with the energy balance equation for you. Yeah. I.e., you're not in a deficit. And the reasons that that's going to be is that maybe you're eating more or different foods. Like, it's quite easy in the summer to be active all the time, enjoy being outside, eat salads and lighter foods. And then in the winter, you tend to want to eat more stodgy foods. Yeah. Uh, And you can argue it both ways. Like technically in the winter, you potentially spend more energy keeping warm. Yeah. Depending on how much you use your heating or, you know, like how cold you let yourself be or how much you still go outside, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, there are various reasons for this. Um, what I would say as well is that as much as when we're like, oh, it's probably hormonal and then people feel like they can just like draw a line under it, that's a really hard thing to do. So there's mm. so much research around like poorer body image before your period, like, you know, at certain times of mm. the month anyway, it's not always the week before, but tends to be the week before, increased scale weight, reduced mood, like all basically all the things you're feeling a bit more lethargic, like when all of these things combine and just because it's hormonal doesn't mean those feelings aren't very real like your reduced mood is very real and some people have legitimate depression due to certain parts of their period so like this isn't just be like well it's just your period like just forget about it (laughs) like it is still very real and can be really hard to deal with and when you've got that combination of low mood feeling lethargic um poorer body image the scales have gone up it's so hard to just be rational and be like, well, this will pass because it's just due to my hormonal fluctuations at the moment. Like it's a really hard thing to do, but it's also like kind of all there is to do unless you decide that it's so severe that you need to speak to your doctor about it. Like if your hormone fluctuations are so much that you genuinely feel depressed at certain times of the month. And this is when it's good to keep things like a a mood diary or just a diary Mm. in general. So you can notice, okay, actually, is it every four weeks that I feel like this? And actually for some people, that might mean that the best thing they can do for their life in like the quality of life in so many aspects of their life is to go on the pill or something, like something that's gonna help them regulate their cycle. And there are loads Mm -hmm. of options. Like I don't know them all. You should speak to your GP about this, but that would be something I would think about as well. Yeah, agreed on every count. Okay, we'll make this the last one. Advice on how to improve your core strength. I have a really weak core and found that Wednesday's core workout um, was really hard, especially anything crunchy. 
Should I be doing core more than once a week? I tend to do two lower, two upper, two runs and only one core. Should I tag some core stuff onto the end of the workouts? Thanks, ladies. Yeah, I, I'm more than happy for you at the end of it. You can do one full core. I like your split. That sounds great. At the end of all of your workouts, just do it. We did this last week, didn't we? Just throw in a plank and time how long you can do it for and do not let yourself go beneath that time. And every time you do it, try and add on a few seconds. Uh, the plank is just its just a great isometric exercise for you guys to do to strengthen your entire core. Um, and yeah, that's what I would advise, Emma. Yeah, I agree. Or you could do something like add in like a morning routine where you're just picking two or three core exercises and doing like 10 reps of each twice or something. Like I think mm. often with core, like um, doing it more frequently and also not getting too caught up with loads of different things. Like I do a yeah. really simple core routine, which is more for my back, but it's like three different exercises that I do yeah. daily instead of thinking, oh, I need to do this and this, and like maybe crunches don't really suit you. And if you're doing something like, the plank is really good. The plank, mm. like Superman's, like some some things that are really, work, yeah, working your core. But just pick maybe a couple of exercises that you really feel working and potentially put them in as like a morning routine that you're doing daily or every other day or something. Or add them on yeah. to the end of your workout. It doesn't really matter when you do them. I just prefer to split things up yeah okay we've only got one more question on this thread so i'll just go with this as well when doing a set of exercise where you are meant to increase the weight as you decrease the reps do you start at 12 reps with a light weight if i do 12 at challenging weight and then 10 at the heaviest i can lift for 10 i can't go up as heavy for the remaining eight and six i have a huge range of dumbbells but they all go up by two kilograms. Okay, my first thing would say ha uh, have longer rest periods mm. because you probably find that you can go up, but you're not having long enough rest because if it's the fact that you've like pre-exhausted your muscles doing the 12 rep set, then actually I would just prefer, like you will get better results if you just take another minute or two between your sets. Yeah. Fantastic point. Uh, Re-pyramid sets, guys, it's a really good idea to keep a note when you train of what weight you're lifting when you reach technical failure. Um, and really, like, you keep this note, you then will know just immediately. Like, I have I have the notes on my phone, but I also have a little notebook. In I do write stuff down when it comes to my training and logging it. Um, and then you will know exactly what weight to start on and exactly what weight you finish on. Um, and also, again, yeah, it's a good idea, read progressive overload to kind of have that foundation. So then, you know, you know, if you can increase it, you know, when it's time to add something on and push yourself a little bit harder. But yeah, you, you guys should really don't go in there like, oh, I wonder which one I should lift. You should know that. And the only way you're going to know that is if you keep a log of it. Agreed. Sorry. Right. There's one more that's just popped up. So I'll cover it as well. Um, I posted this on Emma's Instagram. I've been prescribed amitriptyline as a preventative tool for headaches and migraines. One of the side yeah. effects is weight gain. I was genu generally managing a loss of two pounds a week. Nothing else has changed. I'm still training. Uh, my steps are the same. My calories are the same and I'm tracking everything. But my weight is going back up. Yeah, I saw this. This is this is a good story from you. Emma. Yeah, so basically, like, I'll just repeat what I said on my story, maybe with a little bit more context, but um, it will be water weight. Like, if nothing has changed, yeah. genuinely nothing has changed. And by the way, amitriptyline can impact your appetite, so it could be that you're eating more, and I say that from a place of eating more on amitriptyline. So it's not like, oh, I'm not judging or, like, telling you that you're lying or anything. I just want you to be... Basically, I want to get across that the only way it can make you put on fat, not weight, but fat, is if you're either eating more because of it, because it's impacted your appetite, or you're moving less because it's impacted how much you move. Now, if neither of those have changed, then the weight that you're putting on is water weight. And I would say that I was really puffy on amitriptyline. Like, I noticed it because I couldn't put my rings on. Like, so I noticed there was a lot of water retention. Um, so that can be a side effect. 
the other reason that a lot of so amitriptyline although you're not using that for this reason and i wasn't either is often used as an antidepressant and one of the reasons that antidepressants can have an impact on your weight is because sometimes when people start to feel better they eat more Mm. so they like that i mean it has to say all of the side effects that happen when people can be on it but you'll notice like any drug has the longest list of side effects you've ever seen and most of them don't happen and some people like you'll also notice that the side effects will contradict each other because amitriptyline also has a side effect of weight loss because sometimes when people feel better they eat less because they'd been overeating when they were depressed like it's, it's completely individual so please don't think that because it says there's a side effect of weight gain that that's like an inevitable outcome for you it isn't Mm -hmm. it's still like completely in your control but you might be experiencing some water retention and I know that I did yeah I have nothing to add I saw the stories I thought I thought very well put and I liked all that as well (laughs) okay bye guys bye guys I've got to have